And so I think it's important that we all, as leaders, acknowledge that how we've been trained to deal with the VUCA world um, is not really set us up to be successful Mm. in this world that's filled with novel challenges. So we have to retool. And we have to think differently about what our role is, not only to solve these kind of adaptive challenges, but to create organizations that are equally equipped to do it. What is going on, my friends? Ryan Calagero here. Thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode of Cut the Crap Podcast, where you know what we're doing here every week. I'm reading a book, condensing that book down with its core golden nuggets. I'm bringing the author on the show to have a conversation about the golden nuggets. And I'm here every single week. What am I doing here every single week? Come on, you know how to finish this up. I'm here every single week just trying to save you a little bit of time and bring you some information that can spark real change in your life. Now, you know how these next two spiels go, everybody. If you are a fan of the show, then please rate and review the show. I know that not every platform has the ability to do that. So if you have the ability to rate and review the show, then please do that. When you do it, send me a screen capture of your rating, of your review. Send it to podcast at ryancalajury.com. Or if you're listening on something like SoundCloud, you don't have the ability to leave a rating, leave a review, but you still want to get entered into the drive recorder, then just send me an email, podcast at ryancalajury.com. Tell me what you love about the show, and then you'll get entered into the draw as well. Super simple. And this week, or this week, this quarter, we're giving away $1,000. Previous quarters, we gave away laptops. We gave away um, uh, Google Home, Apple HomePod, you know, Amazon Alexa. So again, this quarter, kind of got lazy, not very creative, but whatever. 1000 bucks cash. Who doesn't want $1,000 cash in their pocket? So get your entries in, and I'll make sure you get entered in the draw. Also, don't forget to follow me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Follow me throughout the week. You can see what Ryan's up to, see what I'm doing. Don't you love when I talk to myself in the third person? Anyways, follow me on those on those platforms, and uh, it's just great to see who's out there, who's listening. So please let me know that you found me through the podcast, um, just so I know uh, who you are and how you found me. Now, before we get into this week's book... I have an announcement to make. Over the past, I don't know, maybe 12 months, about a year, I stopped doing the summaries. Right? I just kept it to the podcast, and I stopped writing up summaries in PDF form. But I'm happy to announce that they are back, baby. They're back. And so many of you, I bring them, I'm bringing them back because all of you out there, you asked me for them. So many of you said, hey, Ryan, like, where's the summary for this episode? Or are you still doing summaries? Can you bring the summaries back? And I always said, nah, I don't really want to do it. And then this weekend, I was going through my email and just scrolling through. And I keep all your emails. And I went through and there was about a thousand plus emails of people asking for the summaries. So at that point, I'm like, all right, like, come on, man. I can't let you guys down. I can't let you down. So I'm bringing back the summaries, the PDF summaries. So I'm writing them up again. I'm doing the episode with the author, but I'm also writing up the PDF summaries. So if you are already on the email list, there's 5,000 plus of you that are on the email list. I should probably see what those numbers are, but there's a whole bunch of you who are on there. If you're on the email list, then you're going to get the summaries. If you don't want to be on the email list anymore, then unsubscribe. Super simple. Don't want to be sending you stuff you don't want. Um, if you haven't signed up yet, if you're not sure if you've signed up, then just go to cutthecrappodcast.com. At the very top of the menu bar, you're going to see uh, one that says summaries. Click on summaries. Go ahead. Put your information once you go in there, and I'll make sure you get the summary, PDF summary of each episode every single week. So that is my my gift to you. I listen every single week to all of you guys, and whether it's coming through social media, through email, through text, through phone calls, 
And this was one that I kind of ignored for a little bit. And shame on me. Shame on me to, to kind of ignore the, the asks of the listeners out there. So I'm listening to all of you. I'm putting in the extra time to get you the PDF summaries. And I hope you all appreciate it. And uh, the best way to appreciate that is just to sign up. And um, when you receive it, just send me a quick email saying thank you so much for doing it. And uh, again, that's what keeps me going. That's the fuel that drives me. So very excited to bring that back. And I hope you all are excited about that as well. Okay, but enough jibber-jabber. That was a long intro. But anyways, let's crack into this one. This week, we're talking to Lisa K. Solomon about her book, Moments of Impact, How to Design Strategic Conversations that Accelerate Change. Now, any book, any book that'll help us communicate with greater clarity, with more strength, man, I'm all about that book. After reading this book, after talking to Lisa, I understood a little bit better in terms of how to have conversations that drive change. Because the problem is today we have too many conversations that don't really drive change. We have meetings and we have meetings in different areas and meetings with different people with no agendas or certain agendas that just don't drive change in the end. And in the end, what are we doing with a meeting? What are we trying to accomplish with that meeting? It's far too many of us. We're having meetings all the time. But for what purpose? Sometimes we have meetings about very big things, things that need to change, um, different trends we have to react to. But how do you formulate that meeting? How do you have the most efficient meeting possible? How do you communicate with such persuasiveness to accelerate change? Well, that's what this whole entire book is about. And I'm really excited to dig into this one with Lisa because she's incredibly intelligent, very well-spoken, very experienced. I really feel that at the end of this episode, you're going to have a different perspective on how to hold certain meetings, how to drive change from meetings, and how to accelerate change. But enough jibber-jabber from me. Let's crack right into this episode. Again, this is uh, one of two books from Lisa. I'm going to have to get her back on this show to talk about her other book because she's just such a damn good guest. Really enjoy talking to her, and I hope you enjoy it as well. So let's crack into this one. This one is Moments of Impact, How to Design Strategic Conversations that Accelerate Change by Lisa K. Solomon. I'll catch you back here at the end of the episode. Enjoy. Lisa, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, Ryan. Thrilled to be here. And I'm very excited to get into it with you because I think there's a lot of people out there who are very interested in how they can essentially become stronger communicators, more powerful communicators. And I believe that this book will help them do that. But before we get into the book, maybe tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and why you wrote the book in the first place. Absolutely, Ryan. Well, I'm sort of an accidental author. Uh, My primary background is in uh, leadership development, innovation strategy, and education. And I got started doing this work in a field called scenario planning, which was helping leaders and executives think more expansively about the future, not just assuming that tomorrow is going to be an extension of today, but rather to help them take a look at all the factors influencing their organization and their strategy from the outside in. And what my colleagues and I realized uh, is that that approach to thinking about the future through creativity and through generative prompts was not a typical way that they thought about strategy, that they thought about it through the lens of a a linear path. Hmm. Uh, And so uh, what, what we realized was that there was an opportunity to help all executives learn how to have different kinds of conversations about the future. And so uh, I became an author primarily to write about the field that I was interested in, which was helping leaders design different kinds of conversations to help influence their strategy. Hmm. And since then, I've really migrated my work from 
being um, a consultant to being an educator and really being an executive coach to helping leaders think more generatively, more flexibly, and more resiliently about their work and about their ability to shape the future that they want to see come to life. Sounds like you're having a lot of fun. I am having a lot of fun. <laughs> That's yes. awesome. It's great to hear. So why don't we kick right into this? And um, this term with Golden Nugget number one, this term actually was introduced to me by uh, Jocko Willink. He's a Navy SEAL who's, who, who wrote a book, uh, Extreme Ownership, where I first heard of this and I heard it again in your book. Businesses today operate in a VUCA world. So in other words, businesses today, they operate in an environment of volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. So yikes, not really a lot of fun out there is what it sounds like. Sounds like it's a pretty nasty place to be. So maybe give us a little context here. So what is VUCA and why is it that we're operating in this kind of environment today? Right. I'm so glad that you started with that first strategic nugget. Yes. I mean, I think that even just listening to those words, uh, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity, that pretty much describes our everyday. Uh, we are living in a world that is filled with accelerating change. And that term VUCA, I'm not surprised you heard it from a, a military officer, was coined by the U.S. military a couple of decades ago, if you believe it, wow. to describe a world that was not teeing up simple answers, that in fact, the dynamic forces in play, forces related to social trends, technology trends, environmental trends, uh, economic trends, and political trends, were colliding in new ways to create the kinds of challenges that we don't have simple formulas to solve. And so I think it's important that we all, as leaders, acknowledge that how we've been trained to deal with the VUCA world um, is not really set us up to be successful hmm. in this world that's filled with novel challenges. So we have to retool yeah. and we have to think differently about what our role is, not only to solve these kind of adaptive challenges, but to create organizations that are equally equipped, equipped to do it. Hmm. When I set it up for a reason, because this is the environment that we're all in and it is scary, but for some reason it's just become business as usual and we have these tools you know, quote unquote, air quotes here, tools that we use to try to deal with some of these challenges. And we do the best that we possibly can with the tools that we have at our disposal. But again, like you said, we need a new set of tools to deal with some of these challenges, you know, dealing with these challenges in, you know, the half hour, hour meetings that we have, you know, no set agendas, no, no plan of action. We're just going to have open discussion about it. That can be somewhat helpful. But for the most part, you're not going to really generate a lot of impact from that. You're not going to come up with a lot of solutions to the challenges that we're facing today. And unfortunately, um, with how busy all of us are today, we really don't have time to find out the best ways to solve these problems. And so that's why this idea of the strategic conversation is so important, which leads us to golden nugget number two. To address today's challenges, this VUCA world we live in, use strategic conversations to leverage your organization's most imaginative, flexible thinking. So set us up for this. What are strategic conversations and how do they benefit organizations today? Great question, uh, Ryan. And I so appreciate how you set this up, which is to say that the way we've thought about developing strategy, mostly based on our past strategic plan, right? Let's take this five-year strategic plan and let's maybe add a few new sensitivity analysis to it, right? Plus or minus 10%, maybe we add a new factor and that's going to be our plan going forward. 
And that is almost in complete um, conflict with the world that we are trying to execute this plan in, right, which is filled with all this dynamic forces. And so what we suggest in Moments of Impact, and my co-author Chris Hertel and I are very passionate about, which is to say these strategic challenges that require creative and critical thinking at fundamentally new levels happen through the conversations that we have, right? So different than a typical meeting where we're often there to make decisions and to move forward, these are exploratory conversations. These are discovery-driven conversations. These are conversations that ask people to bring their different perspectives and experiences to the table so that we can co-create around a new way of coming up with value that is going to uh, help the company grow in the face of all these cha- of all these uh, external changes. Mm-hmm. So strategic conversations really become the strategy. They become the place where we can all bring our best talents to to come together in order to really formulate something that is going to be uh, resilient in the face of this change. Right. Where did you come up with this idea of strategic conversations? What in your experience, what failures have you seen that led you down to this renewed, maybe more effective approach to dealing with some of these challenges? Great conversation. I I think that we're trained to discuss our most important issues in, as you said, meetings, right? Mm -hmm. And if you think about where those happen, you can imagine, I'm sure many of your listeners can imagine, the most important conversations happen in a boardroom, Mm -hmm. right? A very important, (laughs) handsome boardroom (laughs) that has a big oak table in the center and lots of leather chairs around, probably no windows because it's important and secretive. (laughs) And we're all going to come in there and come up with a plan of the future, right? Or discuss the crisis that's affecting the organization, right? Right now. But if you think about probably even as I describe that, how does that make you feel, right? Even as I say the words, my stomach gets a little tighter, mm. kind of clenching my fists, like we're going to war. Mm. That is the last thing you want people to feel when you are trying to get them to be in an innovative mode, right? To be creative about what the possibilities are for your organization. So um, we really thought about it as it's really about supporting the conversation, right? Creative and collaborative conversations that get above the fray of all the noise and help drive positive change forward in the form of ideas that get other people excited. So it's a really um, designed-centered approach, meaning that it's meant to help get others on board through the lens of connection and communication and emotional engagement that allows them to feel hope and excitement about what's going forward. Mm, Very interesting. Yeah, it's a challenge today where we just don't have the tool set. We don't have the understanding. We have a lot of the old beliefs that we have today, but there's new approaches out there that we can use to have more fruitful discussions. And this is exactly where strategic conversations comes in. So the next five golden nuggets, we're really going to set up how we can have those strategic conversations. So we want to design strategic conversations using the five core principles. And the very first principle, which is golden nugget number three, define the purpose. So let's discuss the three practices as well. Seize your moment, pick one purpose, and go slow to go fast. Absolutely. Well, first, Ryan, I want to pause on on uh, 
how you frame this up, which is, and, and really what the book is about, which is learning a new skill around design. Right. And for most leaders still, when I say the word design in their head, they may be conjuring up, oh, those are the people that make things beautiful. <laughs> oh, those right. are the people that went to art school. <laughs> and what I want to suggest to everybody listening to this podcast is that we are all capable of being designers. Mm -hmm. That design is not about making things look beautiful, but instead design is an intentionality about making choices that set others up for success, right? Delivering two important things, functional utility, right? getting a job done because of those choices, and equally important emotional engagement, that when we make a choice, it affects other people emotionally as well. Mm. And so if we think about learning this capability around design in the context of our work, it becomes a very empowering approach to solving these complex problems. Mm. Um, and so I just think that is so important for everyone listening to start to understand that if they make decisions that affect other people, and I imagine that everybody on this podcast <laughs> us, they are a designer. Right. right. They just may not realize it. Um, and so going back to this first core principle around setting your purpose for why you are bringing people together, why you are taking their precious, most limited asset called time, right, to come together, to sit in a meeting, right? Why are you even doing that? Mm. And so we, in our research, are talking to uh, over 100 leaders across a variety of fields to say, what happens when you are able to bring people together to come up with a new idea that sticks? What we found is that they had a tremendous clarity of purpose around the process. And they realized that a meeting was not the same thing as a meeting as another meeting, right? We use meetings as this blunt tool mm. of come together so we can either update you or solve something and then leave. Mm -hmm. But instead, if you frame it as a conversation, you realize that there are three core purposes of a conversation. One is to build understanding, right? So for all of your listeners that are thinking about solving a complex problem, the first thing you probably understand, want to understand is why are we even spending energy on this, right? What does good look like? What's happening in the contextual world that's suggesting that we need to spend time on this? What is the urgency? Hmm. So really getting alignment around that understanding. Now, notice I didn't say we need to come together to solve this, right? You can't solve something collectively and congruently if you're not all clear about the thing that you're solving. So the next type of conversation, once you have built understanding, is shaping options, right? So first building understanding, then from there you have the ability to diverge, right, to be creative and come up with a range of solutions that you want to do some research on to then come back for the third kind of conversation, which is making decisions. But Ryan, we are so trained to believe that a successful mm -hmm. meeting is getting to next steps. Right. I mean, how many times have you heard that, right? Like, <laughs> yes, so right. what's first today, getting next steps? <laughs> well, if the next steps don't mean anything to anybody, then that's not really a goal. Mm -hmm. So, um, so it, that it gets back to that principle you talked about around going slow to go fast, mm -hmm. right? We, you, we want action. We want action, but we really need the aha first, right? We really need to see the same thing at the same time, which in and of itself is a kind of conversation that we need to double down on. Mm. So principle number one, define the purpose. Now we get into the second principle, which is golden nugget number four, that tells us that we need to engage multiple perspectives. 
We define value from a combination of different perspectives, and we need to bring diversity of thinking into the room. So lead us through this principle, engage multiple perspectives. Absolutely, Ryan. I'm so passionate about helping leaders learn how to truly bring diverse perspectives into a conversation and to honor them throughout their organization. Um, we, we tend to think of diversity, and I know that's a, it's a very important topic for many leaders these days, through very narrow lenses, right? So what is your background? Or, you know, how did you come to this work? Or, you know, how do people on the outside look? as uh, uh, representing different points of view. But there's a diversity across a wide range of areas, right, around how people think um, about uh, what their role is within their organization, about uh, how they approach problems. And that diversity is the key to coming up with new ideas. So what we want to encourage leaders to do when they think about where innovation happens is to make sure that they're not just going to the people that are most familiar, right, or at or at a certain level in the organization to generate those new ideas, that we want them to both understand that diversity will help them come up with new ideas and equally important that they have to create the conditions by which those diverse voices can come and engage with each other, Mm. right? So that they have to create a place that feels safe, that feels inclusive, that really honors what they bring to the table rather than the way that we typically do it, which is to organize conversations that are based on status or title or seniority, So this is, again, a learned opportunity for leaders, not only when they're having strategic conversations, but really how they create their cultures, about how they think uh, expansively about helping people from many different uh, backgrounds feel honored and feel like that their contribution is going to matter. And I love this point. And for all you out there listening right now on Cut the Crap Podcast Nation, you know that I've talked to you about this story before. I've told you this before. So you know this. This is no surprise to you, the powerful um, element of diversity of thinking. And so, Lisa, I've told the the story on the podcast before about some of my experience in the innovation space. And you and I have very similar uh, experiences here, working with different teams, facilitating sessions to help people come up with new ideas, different solutions. And there's one story I always told, which I always found very fascinating, was the story of how... Um, Ford came up with this new innovation and um, they had decided to try something a little bit different and they wanted to bring in a whole bunch of different people to the room where, you know, usually when you're coming up with new innovations, new ideas, you have, uh, you know, your, your engineers in the room, you have your marketers in the room, maybe sales, what have you. You have a whole bunch of these, these people that you just kind of assume will be in the room. But they decided to now instead invite different people. They decided to invite in the administrative assistants. And so they wanted to get a different perspective to say, you know, what kind of challenges did you have this weekend or this week or this month that maybe we could improve on? And so one of the uh, women stood up and she says, well, you know, I had this one challenge where, you know, I was pushing the cart and I was holding the grocery bags and I was trying to fumble to find my keys. And it was such a pain in the butt where it'd be super helpful if I could just, you know, like kick the bumper or something. And all of a sudden my trunk opened engineer in the room listens to this and he goes hold on a second we can probably do something with that so now they have it where all you have to do is just now almost all cars have this where you just kick your foot underneath the bumper and it reads the sensor and all of a sudden the trunk opens up a wonderful innovation was created because of diversity of thinking 
And so that story there, I always told that story whenever I get into, um, uh, into a new innovation session with new individuals and they wonder why HR is here. Why is accounting here? Why is there some sales, some marketing? Why are there administrative assistants? Why is this person here? They were just hired this week. I don't understand. How are they going to contribute to our problem here? Diversity of thinking is such a powerful thing. And I'm sure you've seen the exact same thing in your own career. Oh my gosh, so much, Ryan. I love that story for a number of reasons. One is, I think you so rightly articulated the way we tend to think about quote-unquote cross-functional teams. It's almost like this Noah's Ark of representation, right? We'll take two from compliance and two from products right. and two from marketing and two from international, right? And you get people around the table and they're like, why are we here, right? And so so to think um, much more broadly around to say, like, who's actually going to benefit from this idea that we're trying to evolve, right? Or uh, this new growth strategy. Oh, I don't know, how about your customers, right? <laughs> or, uh, you know, how about your partners? Or how about your suppliers? Because we tend to think that we know so much more about what our customers want. And just the practice, as you said, of inviting them to join the conversation right. uh, is, is so critical. And then the second part, um, which I loved about your story, is to say, um, hey, tell us about a day when you uh, really got a lot of value out of your car. Tell mm. us about a story that went really well. And tell us about what gets in your way, right? So notice the open-ended engagement right. versus what we tend to do is like, do you like red or you like blue? That's Which one? Right. <laughs> I know you're going to like the red one because I already <laughs> told, you know, the marketing person that red is where we're going. That's right. So, so we don't want to lead them down. We right. We want to be truly curious and open to what they have to say. And again, that's a skill mm. um, because I think learning how to notice more, right, about what your customers care about in the world, not what they like or don't like about what you're offering, but what do they need? That mm. is so critical. And so if nothing else, if everyone listening to this can stop and think about, hey, this next conversation I'm having about my strategy do I really understand what my customers want and need from us? And if not, how could I get their voice as part of this process? That would be huge. Mm, love that. So principle number one, define the purpose. Principle number two, engage multiple perspectives. Golden nugget number five, which is principle number three. Now we're diving deep into frame the issues. There was a quote in a book that I highlighted that I really liked, and it said that having a strategic conversation without a frame or two is like trying to do a jigsaw puzzle without the picture on the box. Really tough to do, almost impossible to do. So lead us through this principle, the third principle, frame the issues. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad that you brought that up. It is so true, right? And maybe everyone has that feeling of like, yeah, how do we do that puzzle without the box, <laughs> without the picture? Um, this is just one of these core strategic skills that I don't think we're taught enough, right? How do we actually frame the problem? And getting back to our earlier um, part of this conversation, which is in a VUCA world, so much of where you're putting your attention is based on how you are asking the question. Right. And we're just not skilled in practice at doing this. So, you know, I'm sure many of your listeners are, are asking themselves, for example, how do we succeed in this increasingly digital world? Hmm. Right. An appropriate question. But there's so many different ways to frame that question, right? How do we use digital channels to connect to our customers? How do we think about transforming uh, our backend to become more digital? What does the rise of digital currency do for our future payment system? Right? These are all 
um, different ways to unpack this bigger issue around the rise of technology and transformation to an increasingly digital world. Right. But in, what, what we tend to do is we tend to kind of come into an offsite or an important conversation and say, what's our digital strategy? Mm. And everybody hears that question differently. Right. So if you are designing a conversation, it's up to you to be very clear about what you want your participants thinking about and spending time uh, researching and unpacking as it relates to how you want to um, uh, think about the challenge. Mm. Um, so I kind of think about it, it's a little bit like the Goldilocks framing challenge, right? Mm -hmm. we, we tend to do things very broad, right? Like what's our digital strategy? Mm -hmm. What's our China strategy? What's our growth strategy, right? Mm -hmm. Which means lots of different things to different people. Right. Or too narrow, you know, which is, hey, um, how do we make sure that we get um, this digital app working, mm. right? Which is much more of a technical challenge, not necessarily a strategic challenge, right? Because you could sort of say, well, the purpose of that digital app is so that we can take advantage of digital channels. Mm. So part of what we're asking and encouraging all designers of strategic conversations to do is to think ahead of time, almost a prototype, what question are they going to be asking in order to frame the conversation? And if they imagine that the conversation goes well, then what, is ha what, what types of conversations have come up? What, ty what types of ideas? Right. So it's really, really important that we don't just gather people without this kind of focal orientation, this, this sort of framing in order to get them thinking in, in, a, in a useful way. Mm. We hear a lot about people wanting to encourage us to think outside the box. And it's kind of a cliche that, you know, it just means be creative, let loose. But you're encouraging us in, in one of the practices there as part of um, framing the issues. You're telling us to think inside different boxes. What do you mean by that? Yeah. I mean, how many times have we sat in a meeting like, come on, people, think outside the box. <laughs> and, the, and, and OK, right. From a high level, you get the intention, as you said, like, don't just default to the status quo. Mm -hmm. But we forget that, like, we're all thinking about different boxes. What does that even mean? Right. So this gets back in part to that earlier principle we were talking about around, you know, first of all, defining like building understanding. What box are we in? Right. OK, great. We're all in this box. Now, what box do we need to be in? Right. And so now how do we prompt different ideas related to moving outside of the status quo? So um, so I think it's important to if you are designing conversation, if you are leading people in an innovation exercise or uh, that you are ready to prompt them with different ways to think differently. So you could say, hey, if you were Google, what would you do? Hey, if you were Oprah Winfrey, what would you do? Hey, if you had a billion dollars to invest in this, what would you do? Mm. So notice that just by asking these different prompts, it allows us to diverge in different ways, to actually be creative. Um, and so I really enjoy um, spending time trying to understand what are the nuts and bolts? What are the actual practical things that you can do to ignite creativity in others? And it tends to be when we just say, hey, be creative. That's like one of the worst things we could do <laughs> because great. all of a sudden, you know, we're sort of igniting this inner critic of like, oh, I don't want to say that because it's not really that creative. Right. So we're <laughs> we're actually creating the opposite experience. So if we could sort of just learn how to actually help people think uh, in 
as you said, not just outside of the box, but mm. in different boxes, you're giving them the gift, right? You're giving them um, important uh, constraints, which will actually mm. allow them to flare more productively. Mm. I love that. And that it's funny, but when you go through the creation phase of creating a new product, a new service, a new idea, a new solution, that point right there is so critical and that giving different boxes, you're setting them up by providing different stimulus that will allow their brain to go in a completely different direction because we all have our own ideas, our perspectives. But when you set somebody up by giving them a different box to play in, it really sets them up to think differently. And that's why brainstorming really isn't all that great because brainstorming is almost like brain draining. You know, it's almost like that sponge that's filled with water and you're just kind of wrenching it out and taking everything from it. Well, instead, fill your brain with new information. Get that thing just like filled up with new stimulus. And that's really where thinking inside different boxes really comes in. And one of my mo- one of my most favorite techniques that I've, I've I've seen before was the the idealized redesign where it's just hey listen you woke up you went into the office the whole office blew over there's nothing else left how would you rebuild this bad boy how would you build this differently today because it's building it from scratch so how would you do it differently and by putting them in that box all of a sudden they're thinking completely different scenarios they would have never thought before it is so important I love that. I totally agree. And Ryan, I just want to pick up a point that you uh, emphasize there, which is engagement. Mm. Um, You know, how do we help people feel engaged in the process and getting their brains engaged in different ways? Uh, Another one of my favorite techniques for getting people to think outside the box um, comes from my colleague and fellow author, Warren Berger, who wrote a book called A More Beautiful Question. And he talks about the power of question storming. So as you rightly pointed out, brainstorming is often limited. It's, it's, not a, it's a useful tool, but only in certain circumstances. And you need to really know how to use it well. Question storming, by contrast, actually allows people to be open in every kind of question that they might have about a challenge. Because getting back to this uh, point that we're talking about around framing, we often spend way too much energy answering the wrong question. Right. So what if instead of jumping into the solution space, we spent time actually allowing ourselves to explore the widest range of possible questions around this topic so that we can all feel engaged around then going to the next step Hmm. on how we might solve it. Which takes us now to the next piece, the next golden nugget, which I think a lot of people maybe overlook. They don't think about this that often. So golden nugget number six, actually, which is actually principle number four, set the scene. So tell us about the importance of considering our venue, because I know quite often, you know, we just take whatever space we're in. You know, we have this boardroom available. We'll take that boardroom. You know, we have this space available. We'll take that space. But talk to us about the importance of setting the scene and how important our surroundings are to help us have these strategic conversations. Absolutely, Ryan. I'm so passionate about this topic around setting the scene, around having the ability and the agency to change our environment to help put people in a creative and generative mode. Um, As you said, we often take it for granted. We say, hey, we have to have this important conversation. So let's either reserve the boardroom, right? That stuffy, serious boardroom that puts us in the defending mode, or we take whatever room is available. We're like, oh, you know, this is the conference room that's available, but it's small and it's cramped and the chairs are uncomfortable, right? When you're thinking like a designer, you're thinking, I want to get the most brain power, the most creative juice I can get out of every single person there. That's right. So 
So I want to make sure I'm making choices that trigger the right response for them to be open and creative. And we can do that by literally just changing the physical environment Mm -hmm. that we're in, right? And all of us really understand this intuitively because we've been in environments where we feel alive, we feel excited, right? We feel ready to work hard, right? And we can take inspiration from that in designing the environment that we want people to be in when they're working on some difficult strategic challenge. And, you know, I think it's even at the most practical level, we can think about what does it feel like to go to um, a certain restaurant where everything is working in unison, right? The, mm-hmm. the sort of menu and uh, the, the in- physical space of the restaurant, the way that the service works, right, feels great. Oh, yeah. And so you're enjoying your meal to its fullest capacity. Mm-hmm. Versus when you're at a different restaurant where, let's say, it's it's sort of branded to be a fancy place, but you get a paper plate and you get like a hot dog and, you know, they're serving you, you know, disgusting lemonade, right? Like your brain is kind of going bananas because you're like, this is not congruent. So um, we believe that the power of the environment can be this uh, invisible elixir to helping people bring their best selves to the to the work. Mm. It's interesting. You have um, Steve Jobs, who is known as a pretty finicky person. He always said, you know, do sweat the small stuff, you know, so he would always focus on the little details that matter. Like, what's the temperature in the room? Are these chairs comfortable enough? You know, can everyone in the room hear everyone else? You know, is the necessary technology on hand? Have we tested this technology? So the importance of picking the right space, sweating the small stuff, you know, looking at all the different facets in terms of how this venue is going to contribute to the overall objective of what we're meeting for. Uh, It's so important. And I don't think a lot of people spend a lot of time on that. Or it's an oversight where, you know, they get in the room and, you know, you start your meeting off and the first five or 10 minutes is you trying to sit down, trying to figure out the projector or figure out the sound or can this person hear me? Can this person hear me? And there's <laughs> nothing worse than when you kick off a meeting, everyone's there and you're all sitting there trying to figure out IT and you're sitting there like, oh, technology, right? Oh, it's great when it works, but when it doesn't work, oh boy. It's like, no, no, no. You should have that figured out before you get there. You are designing this entire experience and you got to make sure, you know, the scene that you're in is prepped to take care of these people. It's so important. Oh my gosh, right? I could not agree more. And and again, if you think about the way that we're trained to, to prep for a meeting, it's get the agenda right. Make sure the slides are right. right? Mm-hmm. But in fact, it is the full experience that tees us up to be engaged or not. And I, I love that point about sweating the small stuff. You know, we tend to either delegate it to admin Or, as you said, we don't think about it. But I encourage everyone who is designing a high-stakes conversation to enlist a producer, right? Mm -hmm. Enlist someone to be their right-hand person who can understand the strategic importance of the conversation and is focused on making sure that every choice is going to support that 100%. It's so important. Um, And then the other thing about that is – thinking about how you're going to even present the conversation, you know, as well. And you talked about how reliant we are on on slides or um, <laughs> on the IT, right? Think about the opening uh, question or the opening story or mm. something that you're going to tell to really get people engaged from the very beginning and to help them kind of relax in the space that they are, mm. uh, that they're in. It's so important. Absolutely. And no, I love that. 
Can I wait? Right. But sure. I know you like stories. Can I just share like a mistake? That of course. Made because I think we can learn from our mistakes. <laughs> That's right. To your point earlier about uh, sweating, sweating the small stuff and what happens <laughs> when you don't. I remember with some colleagues years ago, we were designing a conversation on the future of climate change. Right. And we had lots of different experts from different fields coming together to explore what could we do, you know, as organizations to um, to really productively contribute to supporting um uh, more sustainable practices. Mm. And and Ryan, wouldn't you know it, when lunchtime came around, we gave everybody individual box lunches mm-hmm. that were filled with individually wrapped items no. <laughs> that, uh, I mean, I, it's possible we even had styrofoam cups. I Uh-oh. mean, it was the most absurd. <laughs> uh, but exactly. Like, like gap in sort of the intent yeah. of you're all there to do and a missed opportunity with the details. So, oh, so yeah. I really want to encourage people. <laughs> sweat those details. They matter. Hey, it's uh, we all make mistakes. And I'm telling you, that's probably a, a good learned lesson right there. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> so now we go to the last principle here. Principle number five, which is gold nugget number seven, making it an experience. So talk to us about this final principle about making it an experience because we want to make sure it's exhilarating. We want to make sure it's memorable. So how can we go about doing that? Absolutely. At the end of the day, when you design a conversation, you want to be thinking about what uh, have people learned, right? So so getting back to that notion of functional utility, what have they learned? What have, what have they advanced in terms of ideas? But equally important, how do they feel, right? How did you engage them emotionally? And that's the experience design part because we are, let's face it, we're, we're fighting for attention in every aspect of our lives, right? It's noisy, it's crowded, it's filled with so many distractions. So at the end of the day, what you want to be thinking about is how do I get people thinking about this topic well after we're done with our time together here? How do I get them so invested that they can't help but take the next step, even if we haven't told them what to do? And that happens when you design a meaningful experience, when you engage not just people's heads, right, their intellectual capacity, but their hearts and their souls. And that happens when you think about it through the lens of an experience design, making choices that get them fully engaged and not just focused on the content. And so we really think it's important for people to learn how to, for example, tell stories, right? How to get people engaged from the very beginning. We think it's important for people who are designing a conversation to learn how to use visuals to get people uh, engaged in different kind of ways. Um, to perhaps, you know, share outside ideas that may make them a little uncomfortable, mm. you know? So sometimes, for example, when, when we're trying to get people to understand the future impact of technology, Maybe you show a little clip from a science fiction movie mm. um, to just get people to feel something, right? We're so used to um, trying to engage people only with our intellectual capacity. Mm. We need to get more comfortable engaging people at the human level. I agree. And this is something where, you know, screenwriters have been able to really figure this out. You know, when you're planning your strategic conversation, you know, you encourage us to think like screenwriters and develop an emotionally engaging storyline for our sessions. This is uh, the uh, create a narrative arc. Maybe talk to us a little bit about that. Absolutely. I mean, listen, any great movie or any great show or even any great book that we've read, fiction book, it has a beginning, it has a middle and it has an end right? That's the narrative arc. You need to kind of get people engaged. You need to kind of establish who the players are or, or, or what the 
potential conflict is. Then you have the sort of peak moment uh, where the conflict is richest, and then you have resolution. And in many ways, you could think about applying that narrative arc to a conversation. Um, We tend to get very uncomfortable with emotion around an important business conversation. No, 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 there's no place for that here, right? This is all just, uh, you know, this is all just business, right? (laughs) This is all just, you know, serious stuff. But it turns out it's it's in the emotion where our greatest ideas and insights can come from. Mm-hmm. You know, when we are feeling nervous or we're feeling worried, um, we need to sort of lean into that and say, what's going on here? Why are we nervous? Why are we worried? What can we learn from that? And equally important, if we're feeling excited mm-hmm. or um, uh, engaged or delighted or surprised, we also can find some value in that. Right. But if you think about one of the one of my favorite uh, tools that designers use is uh, something called the journey map where you can plot an experience on the X axis and you can plot how people feel right their emotional engagement on the Y axis. And I imagine if you plot most board meetings, right, the strategic conversations that were that we tend to think of most against a journey map, what you would probably find is that the agenda on the Y axis probably looks like a flat line, (laughs) you know, on that y-axis, right? That we're just almost sleepwalking Mm -hmm. through our most important conversations. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it as a narrative arc that really engages people in a different way, all of a sudden you can proactively trigger, you know, feelings of excitement, right? Or feelings of worry and then mine that for the utility that it can offer. Mm. Everyone out there in Cut the Crap Podcast Nation, you are hearing... Uh, Lisa and I talk about this idea of becoming stronger communicators, facilitating more strategic conversations. We've gone through each of the five principles, define the purpose, engage multiple perspectives, frame the issue, set the scene, making it an experience. There's a lot here, and I encourage you to go back, listen to this over again multiple times just to get get the stimulus in your brain and to put a lot of these things into practice for you because when you do you will absolutely be able to communicate much stronger and you'll be able to allow other people to communicate with you a lot stronger as well. But as you communicate with other people, you might have a certain group of individuals out there who might have a little bit of resistance, which leads us to our last golden nugget, golden nugget number eight. And I left this one for last because I love these people. They are wonderful, Lisa. Dealing with the yabuts. So, Tell us who the Yabuts are, and then maybe tell us how we can confront the Yabuts. Absolutely, Ryan. Well, first of all, thank you so much for encouraging people to go back and re-listen. I agree. There's a lot to unpack here. This is a whole new way of working. And, you know, just a quick note about the book. Um, we actually know that because people are so busy and, and we're asking them to really think differently about, about how they go about designing these conversations, we even designed it to have a starter kit in the back. Um, and some of it is, is online uh, as well. So you don't even have to get the book. But we know people are so busy. So just go to the back to figure out you know, what to ask and what to do and what to try and what to read. Um, because uh, we know it can be a heavy lift for people to, when they're in the midst of their busy lives, to stop and say, wait, now they're asking me to do all these other things, right? (laughs) Um, And that leads directly into your question about uh, the yabots. And and what are the yabots, right? And and perhaps some of your listeners are, 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 are kind of nodding their head and saying, yeah, Lisa, this makes a lot of sense, but that would never happen in my organization, right? (laughs) Our culture doesn't allow it. I don't have time for it. 
uh, I have all these other things I need to do, right? Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, mm-hmm. right? And, and yeah, buts come in all shapes and sizes. There are three biggies that we want every brave designer of strategic conversations or really any um, innovation effort to be aware of because these are the ones that kill innovation. Um, the first one is, uh, yeah, but number one is short-termism, mm-hmm. right? The reality is, is that most of our organizations are designed to deliver against the goals that we have com- already communicated, right? So, so when we have a choice to spend our precious time on a variety of things that require our attention, we're gonna spend it on the things that we're gonna get measured on, mm-hmm. right? The quarterly goals, the annual goals, something that we are on the hook to deliver, right? So mm-hmm. short-term goals are almost at direct odds with a discovery-driven approach to looking at new sources of growth, mm-hmm. right? So we just need to honor that, right? And we need to make sure that we're not asking people to be quote-unquote innovative when most of their time is spent uh, on delivering things that are already known, mm-hmm. right? These things are fundamentally at odds. The second big yeah but is the reality that politics exist mm. within every organization, right? That even if we want to be uh, creative and get people on board with our, uh, our, our innovation ideas and process, that we tend to hoard the best people, we tend to hoard the budget, we tend to cling on to the thing that we know, right? And so, so a lot of great ideas get stifled because the political structure is uh, is negative and is overpowering the creativity. Mm. And so, you know, that's a real reality for a lot of organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, and the final one, which is really what we've been talking about during this whole conversation, is we've never been taught how to do this. That's we right. have this enormous capability gap. And this, Ryan, is where I spend my waking days and hours thinking about how do we develop a pipeline of leaders starting at our earliest ages when they start formal school at age four or five to get comfortable with skills that support creative thinking, ideation, collaboration, storytelling, flexibility, all of the things that we need all of our leaders to embrace for themselves and for their organizations? How do we think of them as a teachable and learnable practice? Mm. I they are. I've now spent the last 10 years teaching MBAs, teaching executives to help them in some ways relearn, first of all, unlearn a lot of the performance-driven linear approaches to solving problems and relearn a whole new set of skills that will allow them to really be creative problem solvers and critical thinkers in this world of increasing change and complexity. Moments of impact. How to design strategic conversations that accelerate change Lisa K. Solomon, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, talking about something that's very, very important. If anyone out there wants to be in touch with you or they want to see what you're doing, how can they go about reaching out to you or uh, connecting with you? Thank you so much, Ryan. Absolutely. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, I'd love to hear about the new design choices that you're going to make for your strategic conversations or things that you're struggling with. Um, You can find me at lisaksolomon.com. Uh, all spelled out. So uh, Lisa K A Y Solomon uh, S O L O M O N dot com, 
um, and, and let me know how it's going and let me know how I can help. You know, Malcolm Gladwell says, what, it takes 10,000 hours to develop That's mastery. Right. <laughs> I'd be thrilled if your listeners just start with 15 minutes, right? We are all on this path to developing these new skills. So definitely let me know how it's going. Wonderful. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for making time for myself and for everyone out there in Cut the Crap Podcast Nation. It was a true pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. All right, there we have it. That's Moments of Impact, How to Design Strategic Conversations that Accelerate Change by Lisa K. Solomon. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, then please go online, rate and review the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Take a screen capture of it, send it to podcast at ryancalajury.com and I'll make sure you get entered in the draw every single quarter for a prize. If you don't have the ability to leave a rating or review on the podcast platform, then send me an email at podcast at ryancalajury.com and uh, again, I'll get make sure that that entry gets you in there every quarter for a prize. And of course, this quarter's prize, $1,000 cold, hard cash. Love it. Don't forget to connect with me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that jazz. If you want to see what Ryan's doing throughout the week, referring to himself in third person, just follow me online and you can see what's going on with me throughout the week. All right, my friends. Also, if you are a big fan of the summaries, then please go online to cutthecrappodcast.com. Hit the summaries tab and enter in your information to make sure you get every single week's episode um, uh, breakdown of uh, each episode, each of the golden nuggets in PDF format. So there's just different ways of receiving this information. Here's another way that I think will work really great for you if you want to print it out, make notes, store it, whatever it is you want to do. But uh, just doing this as an extra service to all of you amazing people out there. Thank you so much to all of you for sending me those emails again. I got to really thank all of you for telling me that it's important to you and that you want it. So if you want it, if it's important to you, you got it, baby. Nice and easy. All right. That is a wrap for this week, everybody. I got to get out of here. So thank you so much to all of you again for tuning in every week. It means so much to me that you do. Please, you do me a favor, get the word out there, share it through social media, let people know about the show, share it with your friends, your family, and uh, continue spreading the good word out there, my friends. Have yourselves a fantastic, productive week. I'll catch you back here next week when I have a brand new book, brand new Golden Nuggets, an interview with an author, and you know what I'm doing here every single week. Just trying to save you a little bit of time and bring you some information that can spark real change in your life. Have an awesome week, everybody. I love you guys. I want you to ponder these four questions. The first question to ponder when you go home is why? Why go this far? Why try to learn this much? Why study? Why put yourself out? Why try to earn as much as you can earn, share as much as you can share? Why try to become all that you can possibly become? Why develop yourself to the full? Why try to do it all? Why try to take on this much responsibility? Develop every skill you possibly can. See every human you possibly can. Go to every class you possibly can. Touch everybody you possibly can. Why do that much? Why go that far? Why share that much? Why give that much away? Why try to see everything? Why try to do everything? Why try to become everything? The 
first question to ponder when you go home is why. Here's another good answer to why. It's the second question, why not? Why not see how much you can earn? Why not see how much you can learn? Why not see how many skills you can develop? Why not see what kind of person you can become? Why not see what kind of influence you can have? Why not see how many people you can rescue from oblivion? I want you to take that personal. Why not? Why not? You've got to stay here till you go. I mean, what else are you gonna do? Why not see how much you can do, how far you can go? Now here's number three. Why not you? You've got the brains. You can make decisions. You can study the plan. You can change your life. You can grow immensely in the next few years. You can make your dreams come true. You can build a financial wall around your family. Nothing can get through. You can become healthy. You can become powerful. Why not you? My very last question on the questions to ponder is why not now? There never was a better time. And what a time now for us to take this dream and not let it die. Take this dream and give it life. Take this dream and breathe into it your own personal spirit until finally it becomes a flame that burns around the whole world.